Welcome to the Village Church Podcast. Thanks for stopping by and taking the time to listen. We've prayed that this podcast channel blesses and encourages the Village family. So lean in with an open heart, eager to grow, and enjoy the episode. If you have the Bibles, um, please open them to John chapter 12. Um, I'm a big, uh, big fan of, uh, of paper, but if you do have a digital format, that will be okay as well. And I'm going to read from the NIV. Now, we could open any one of the four Gospels because all four, God spoke to all four of the Gospel writers and they all recorded this entry into Jerusalem. So, and if all four have drawn attention to it, it's an important thing for us to draw attention to. So, John chapter 12, verse 12 says, The next day, the great crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches, went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with them, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they'd heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world, the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip who is from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we'd like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Lord, we thank you for your word, that it indeed be life to us by your spirit. Help us, Lord, to receive what it is you have for us this morning. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Excellent. Dave already did a great picture of, of, of a great job of painting the picture of these crowds crying out, Hosanna. There was a feast, the Passover feast that was about to happen, and the crowds were streaming towards Jerusalem. There was a festive atmosphere. I kind of picture of it something of what maybe Buenos Aires looked like as the team from Argent- the Argentina team arrived home um, with the World Cup in tow, and everyone just can't wait to see Messi. You know, even if you weren't a football fan, if I don't know if that's possible if you're an Argentinian, but even if you weren't a football fan, you'd have been caught up in this fervor and excitement of the team coming together. There was an electric atmosphere and people were streaming towards the feast. 
but particularly those that had been in Bethany, those that had been with Jesus and saw him raise Lazarus from the dead were spreading the word. Guess what? Jesus spoke and Lazarus came out of the tomb after four days. That is amazing. Could it really be him? We've been waiting for generations for this king. Could it be him? And this this news, if gossip, if there's ever good gossip, that was good gossip. This news spread through the crowd to the point where people are like, could it be him? Let's cry. Savior, he is the one who can save us. Kids, have you ever waited a really long time for something? Maybe like your birthday and you think, oh, I'm waiting for my special birthday present and it feels like a long way away and then finally it arrives. Yeah? I'm going to pick on my daughter. Normally I pick on my son as sermon illustrations, but Abby often starts planning her birthday about three days after her last birthday. She really looks at that. It's only a very slight exaggeration. But here is a people that have been waiting for generations. Every week, as they go up to the temple to worship, they're reminded of the promises of God that there is a Messiah coming, a Savior, a King. And for generations, every week, every festival, every Passover, the promises of God. And now, finally, he's here. Talk about excitement. No wonder, not only the kids shouted. It's great. Like, the kids definitely were shouting. But the whole crowd. Adults shouted and praised and were exuberant. That's not us Kiwis. I know I don't sound like one, but I lump myself in with you guys. That's not typically us. But guess what? When you see the king coming, you can't help but get excited. You can't help but shout and jump up and down. I was like, I think it was more like, Hosanna! The king is coming. Blessed is the king of Israel. We've been waiting forever, and he's here. Now, it said the disciples didn't really understand all of this. They, the, all the things that Jesus had said for three years were pointing towards this, but they didn't really understand it. The, the, all the Old Testament prophecies were pointing towards this, but they didn't really understand it. Though God had dropped and Jesus had dropped heaps of hints, only when they looked back could they see that, yeah, this is who God was talking about. This was the promise of God. I don't know, again, kids, if you've ever, if mom and dad have ever tried to surprise you with something, you're going somewhere maybe, and, and you, you're, you're, and they say, oh, we're going, we're going, we're going to Auckland. But then they like take you in a circuitous route and you think, hold on, this isn't the normal way of going there. Something's up. And you know something is up, but you're not really sure what that is. I've been, or you've been surprised at like a surprise birthday. Maybe you've, adults, you've had a milestone birthday and people have like, have tried to point you to a certain destination, but you like, hold on, something's up. Something doesn't quite compute here. Well, the disciples should have clued in when Jesus said, now the other gospel accounts, um, Matthew and Mark and Luke speak specifically about how Jesus found this donkey. He told his disciples to go. And as you enter the town, you'll see a donkey and it's full or it's cold untie it and bring it to me. And if you, and if the person that owns that, that donkey says something, just tell them the Lord has need of it and they'll let you take it. And the other three gospel writers, that's exactly what happened. Now the disciples had been with Jesus for three years. He'd gone up to Jerusalem numerous times and never has he entered publicly. Never has he entered in such a way as that everyone could see him. 
always his private his teaching was in private and not in a public way. So something is up, the fact that he's going to enter Jerusalem in a very different way. And everybody knows it. Matthew 21 says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Who is this? And the Pharisees, when they attempted to silence the crowds, said, look, the whole world has gone after him. The whole world. Lord, let that be true. And it says, only after, only afterwards, after he was glorified, did the disciples understand what was going on. The crowd doesn't understand everything, but they understand enough to be exuberant in their praise. Because this is the procession of a king. Now, we I know we have the kingi tanga here in, uh, in our Wahia. I confess I've never been to coronation. I'd love to one day, coronation week celebration. But you know what? We don't, we don't really understand what it is when a king enters a city. These the people in the first century certainly did. That a king would arrive in and the crowds would lay down as tribute and homage and praise to this king coming in and returning. Normally a conquering king, a king that had defeated his enemies, coming in with a great big procession and on a powerful war horse representing his might and his power. And again, there's a great hint here. How does Jesus come in? Not with great ceremony and pageantry and show. Not with with power and might, but humbly. Humbly on a donkey, on a, on, a, on a beast of burden, on a common animal. Interestingly, one that had not been ridden, which, again, if you look at the Old Testament, all the animals used in consecrated, in sacred work were all those that had not been yoked, had not been ridden. And here Jesus is, but those that can see, saying, here I am riding in for a consecrated purpose, a consecrated purpose. Here I am as a king coming in, not as a showy king, not with great pageantry and with great might, but with humility and gentleness. And if, if I had a slide and if, and if there was a title for this message is, As the King, So His Kingdom. As the King, So His Kingdom. As the Kingdom, So His People. We, we have a king, and I, I'm so looking forward to Easter. Uh, for 24 years now, following Jesus, Easter is the high point of every one that confesses Christ as Lord and as Savior. But this fresh revelation of the king and his kingdom continuing to spread across the earth is one of the reasons why God has gripped my heart for the nation of Indonesia and the peoples there. There are so many that are living in darkness, enslaved to another king, that that as the king, so the kingdom that isn't a kingdom of freedom, isn't a kingdom of grace, is not a kingdom of peace or love or joy. As the king, so the kingdom. We have Jesus entering, entering Jerusalem, humble and meek. When Jesus invites us to come to a Matthew 11, his invitation says is, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. As the king, so the kingdom. As the kingdom, so is people. Jesus says, for I am gentle and humble of heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As the king, so the kingdom. As the kingdom, so 
his people. We are, we are God indeed, in Christ, is gentle and humble. Indeed is a king, but unlike any other king. And John records, as do two of the other gospel writers, the fact that this was predicted, this was prophesied through multiple prophets, but specifically through Zechariah. Can, can you turn back a few pages? Because in, when, in verse 15, it says, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. So here's this hint that God gave all those years before. How do you know it's your king coming in? He's going to be coming on a donkey's colt. But turn back with me to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 and 10. So I want to highlight a couple of things there that, that John doesn't specifically quote, but the promise of this king that is coming. The promise of this king that is coming. 9 verse 9 says of Zechariah, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout. Great shouting before kids. Daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation. Gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Our king, the king of this kingdom, is righteous. The promise of the king when he came would bring in a righteous kingdom. Jesus is the righteous king, the one who is anticipated, longed for, promised by God. We're, I, I've loved that we're going through the book of Judges right now. In the book of Judges, as Dave reminded in the very first week, the whole point of the book of Judges is reminding us that God had promised and the people needed a righteous king. If you've been listening to the Lent Bible binge and we're going through one, going, listen, just finished one Samuel, you know, Saul disastered his life. Why? Because he wasn't fully righteous. David, a man after God's own heart, still had his stumbles, but always the promise of this righteous king, this righteous king. Jesus is the righteous king to establish God's righteous kingdom on earth. That's why he taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done, Lord. Isaiah 45, 24 says, In the Lord alone, in the Lord alone are righteousness and strength. All others were shadows and signs pointing forward to Jesus. That's why when the, when the crowd from Bethany that had seen Lazarus raised from the dead spread the news, all the others said, hold on, because they'd seen this miraculous sign. All these signs, all these Shadows, all these fingers pointing towards Jesus. He is the righteous one. And in being righteous, the righteous king is able to bring us near to God. As the king, so is kingdom. And as his kingdom, so is people. Only a righteous king could bring us into a right standing before God. 1 Peter 3, 